your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught one. Yeah, first down. It's on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska. Juan Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Didn't hear Ben's favorite golfer, Bryson DeChambeau, in that ticker. I'll give you the update, though, Ben. He's at two, minus two through eight holes, so he still has... Ten holes to play today. Minus two and one. Broken driver. Yeah, he did. He broke the head on his driver, but it happened on the swing, so he was able to replace the driver. If you do it yourself, like if you – this has never happened to you. But if you slam your driver on the ground after a bad tee shot or something and break it, you can't replace it. But it happened in his swing, so he was able to replace it. When you've got as much beef and raw power and strength as that guy, bound to happen. Yeah. In fact, uh, they caught the mic caught him saying that. Yeah, he goes. I've used that driver a long time. That was that was kind of dupe for that thing to snap. Welcome to the program. Glad to have you here with us on a Thursday night. You picked a good night to be a part of the program. We're going to continue on our position breakdowns later in the hour. Mario Verdusco, Husker quarterbacks coach, will be here. We'll talk Husker quarterbacks. Uh, on the eve of camp beginning, tomorrow will be the first Husker practice of the fall camp as they get ready and get prepared for a possible matchup with Rutgers on September the 5th. As obviously, there's still some uncertainty with that. Uh, Rutgers dealing with a lot of positive cases of COVID-19 at the moment, and they can't really get their full squad going for another couple of days. But uh, we'll keep motoring on, and the Huskers have to keep motoring on like they will play a game on September the 5th. So we'll break down the quarterbacks with Coach Mario later on in the hour. Then we'll break out our uh, rankings of where we think the Husker quarterback position fits in the Big Ten West. We lead off with what some of the things Austin did have in the ticker, and that was some major uh, depletion of talent in the Big Ten today with Micah Parsons, the outstanding linebacker from Penn State, opting to just skip out this year and get himself prepared for next spring's NFL draft. And then within the last hour, Rondale Moore, the explosive wide receiver slash running back slash special teams guru for Purdue, who missed most of last year with an injury. He's opting out because after three years of college football, you were eligible for the NFL draft. That is a huge loss, Ben, for Purdue. Yeah, we were just talking about Rondale Moore on Tuesday uh, on our last position breakdowns and special teams and how big of a boost Purdue got. Because of that, we were talking about Rashad Bateman being a big loss. Well, I think – Rondale Moore is arguably just as big of a loss. It'd be fun to go back and redo the wide receiver rankings now that arguably the two best ones are now off the table. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think that's news that uh, it's shocking when you first hear it maybe, but then you understand that it's probably the best decision for guys like Rondale Moore and and Micah Parsons who are going to be first-round draft picks and uh, very highly thought-of prospects at the next level. So, I was thinking about this after Rondale made his decision. Crazy to think he's we he's only played in like 16 or 17 career games, and think yeah. about the legacy that he left behind at Purdue. I mean, crazy. Obviously, the first game right out of the shoot against Northwestern, uh, he we found out just how special he was, and then you know what he did against Ohio State in that drubbing that the Boilermakers put on the Buckeyes uh, that night in West Lafayette. And then he only played in four last year. So, I mean, it's, you know, he had a great career while as short as it was. Um, you know, Purdue fans are going to be uh, really, really missing him 
whenever it is that uh, they hit the field next. Great point. I was just going to say the same thing about what an impact he had in such a small amount of time. Great freshman year, then the injury last year, which was really too bad. I mean, you want to see the best players play, and so for him to be gimpy all year long was really too bad, and it cost Purdue a bowl game. I think they get to a bowl game if they have a healthy Rondale Moore to go along with David Bell, who really made a big impact last year as another freshman wide receiver for Purdue. That would have been quite a tandem and was going to be a quite a tandem for this year's Purdue team. Can't blame these guys with the uncertainty of the college football season this year. Part of me is disappointed because I would love to watch those guys play a little bit more. And, and I would think that some of the NFL people probably want to see a little bit more of Rondale Moore, wouldn't you think, Ben? I mean, it's been a couple of years since they've had much of a of a book on him, uh, and they would probably like to see him play after the injury and see if he was at full strength. Yeah, I think so, but I also think <clears throat> Rondale is one of those freaks where he's going to test astronomically well. I mean, not only is he electric electric fast and super agile but he's as strong as an ox i mean he'll be able to to bench press good numbers and lift good numbers and and obviously he's going to run great times so um you know we'll we'll see how that kind of maybe fills that void but you know there are some gms out there that want to see it done on the field too you know they want to see the the proof in the pudding there there are those combine warriors out there that always seem to to rise just because of the numbers that they put up but that always doesn't always translate into being a great football player. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that affects him from here on out uh, with the draft status and and obviously with the, uh, you know, how he tests because it will be a long time before he's on a field. Micah Parsons was a guy that Nebraska was deeply involved in during the recruiting process. He took an official visit to Lincoln. You helped show him where the elevator was in the North Stadium after a game. Uh, he's had a huge impact on the Penn State program. There was rumblings early in the week that this was going to happen for him. And obviously it's a blow for the Nittany Lions who were counting on him to really anchor what could be a very good defense for them and still should be pretty good even though he's not there. Interesting, when, when Justin Fields was asked, the outstanding quarterback for Ohio State who's going to be on everybody's Heisman list, he was asked, have you thought about opting out this year and just getting yourself ready for the draft? And he says, you know, it's never even crossed my mind. So I mean, different way to approach it. Some guys, you know, just get locked in and say, I'm going to compete at what I've got here, and then I'll deal with my next step or my next big decision at the end of college. So it's different how guys go after that. Ohio State and Michigan, apparently a little dust-up on a coach's conference call in the last couple of days, Ben, when the Big Ten football coaches got together. Uh, Apparently, Jim Harbaugh made some comment, directed toward Ryan Day, Ohio State's head coach, about, hey, I saw some pictures of your coaches out on the practice field. That's not allowed yet. Uh, that's not allowed till fall camp opens. And Ryan Day snapped back, you coach your team, I'll coach mine. And then apparently, by several reports, Ryan Day, then when he met with his own Buckeye team, said, uh, we're going to put the pedal to the metal this year when we play Michigan. We might just hang a hundred on those guys. How about that little dust-up? That'll add a little juice to it, won't it? Yeah, I love love that. Um, man, that, that rivalry is just growing, and I think you're starting to see maybe some of the some of the lack of success that, that Michigan has had rub off in other areas. And, you know, a poking the bear maybe type scenario. <laughs> you, you can't win on the field, so you try and win somewhere else. Maybe that type of mentality too. But, yeah, I mean – 
Ohio State's had their number, and and until Jim Harbaugh does something about it, I mean, he can tattle about coaches, he can, you know, debate with rules and rule changes to try and help his program, but ultimately, he's going to be judged for what matters, and that's that's winning on the field against rivals, something that he hasn't done at all his time in in uh, Ann Arbor. Yeah, he he got a big win last year over Notre Dame, which helped, and he's been able to beat Little Brother, aka Michigan State, a couple of times in the last few years. But it it has not been smooth sailing for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Now, granted, he's he's hit Ohio State at maybe the apex of their program. They have been the creme de la creme. Just look at today's coaches poll that came out. The bucket. Buckeyes listed number two in the country behind Clemson. And then how about the next three all being from the SEC? Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Boom, boom, boom. You know, uh, we're going to get to LSU in our preseason top 25 at some point, but they lost an awful, awful lot of good players. Hard to imagine that they can still be one of the top five teams in the country this year. Maybe maybe they'll prove me wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be a bunch of players that, that haven't done it at a consistent level, that's for sure. Uh, and that's always a danger. That's a danger in the preseason, but you know, I mean, we don't really know, you know, what what's going to come of that. Obviously, Bo Pelini going to LSU is going to add a new wrinkle too to that defense. We'll just kind of again wait and see what what kind of product they run out there. But boy, I mean, obviously, um, losing what they lost is is definitely going to hurt, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, man, that. That was a very, very talented unit a year ago. And I know they got Jamar Chase back, who, who will be the first wide receiver picked in the draft if he's healthy. But a corner that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you lose you lose a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I, I'm eager to see what LSU team takes the field. And, uh, you know, thankfully uh, we won't have to wait too long because of the way the schedule's set up. They're going to dive right into conference games, which is good. How many guys drafted? Was it 14? No. Yeah, yeah something. 10? 10 or 14. It was something pretty high up there that LSU drafted, but uh, we'll get to them. They're not, they haven't appeared yet in our preseason top 25, but we will get to them. We will have a version of that later on tonight as well. All right, those are some of the topics that we're dealing with. Here are the phone numbers if you want to join us. 531. We do have a new phone number if you've been away for a few days. 531 500 4686. That's our new Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. It also doubles as our U.S. Cellular text line. U.S. Cellular, the official wireless partner of Husker Athletics. So lock it in your phone. If you want to send us a test text, our guys will answer it back so you know you have the right thing. If you can't make a phone call some night but want to share an opinion with us or have us answer a question and you don't want to get on the phone and talk to us but you want you can fire us a text, you can do that at 531, which is also a new area code for the state of Nebraska, 531 500 4686 We have conversed several times already this week with folks that have uh, sent us texts asking us certain topics about certain questions and topics that they want to get answered. Tonight on Sports Nightly, it's the Husker football position breakdowns. Caffrey motions. Hickman snap back. Luke's going to keep it himself off the right side. He's in there. Touchdown, Nebraska. Tonight. The triangle formation of the near side. J.D. split out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco. 
And let's talk these, about these quarterbacks with Mario Verduzco. Your world is always an ever-changing world, and if we go back to, to the end of last season, you've lost a couple young men who've decided to try to, to go elsewhere. And I think that's kind of your world, isn't it, the quarterback, because only one of your guys plays at a time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only one ball. Yeah. <laughs> so only one guy can take the snap, so sometimes those guys get a – they get a little antsy, and um, yeah, Andrew took off. He's at SEMO, and then Noah went to uh, Rutgers. Well, we wish them the best, and I know you and really enjoyed working with those two guys uh, during their time at, at, at Nebraska. But I still think you, you probably feel really good about your room. I would guess. I mean, you've got you've got three young guys that are on scholarship that all look like quality quarterbacks for you. Yeah, it's a good room. I, I yeah, I, I feel really good about our room. Um, and uh, then we have the two walk-ons, aside from Adrian Lucas and Logan, and then Matthew and Braden are the two walk-on cats. So, no, I feel really good about the room. Um, great group of guys, um, very supportive of each other, uh, just like we demand them to be. So uh, it's good. Let's start with Adrian. He's been your starter the last two years. Coach Frost made some comments about him the other day to some of the folks in the media saying that, you know, that maybe Adrian, maybe last year it snuck up on him a little bit. He wasn't quite prepared week in and week out. How did you grade Adrian's sophomore season as your quarterback? Oh, I don't, I don't know that I would say that Adrian was not, not prepared. Um, I don't know if Coach Frost directly said that, but um, – uh, I think maybe he he probably um, took things maybe a little too lightly, maybe sometimes, you know, uh, as we relate to practice when we started fall camp. I mean, he still worked hard and did all those those sorts of things, but whether he had as much of a consequential attitude about things as he did his freshman year, I guess that, that, that would be up for debate. But every time I tested him, uh, either before the season with the playbook test and or every game uh, from a cognitive standpoint, he was ready to go. So uh, I had no qualms about that piece of the puzzle at all. We hear all the time uh, sophomore slump. Uh, Adrian was brilliant at times as a freshman, and I thought he had some really good games last year. The Illinois game comes to mind as a game where he played really, really well for this team. Then he battled some injuries. You also had maybe, yeah. uh, as Coach Frost has said, maybe not enough weapons on the offense to, to spread, spread it around a little bit. How did he handle himself mentally through a season that wasn't as smooth for him, including a couple of injuries that kept him from playing a few games? Well, I'll always say this about that particular comment you made at the beginning. A quarterback's only going to be as good as the guys around from a functional standpoint. There's no doubt about that. Um, you can make the sort of goofy analogies of, you know, put a junior college offensive line in front of Tom Brady and how good is Tom Brady going to be? Uh, put a junior college defense with Tom Brady and how many games are they going to win? You know, so – all of those things that have to do with the quote-unquote quarterback's winning record and or his sex success are dependent upon the guys around him. Now, he has – quarterback himself has to make certain he's he, he's doing his job and getting his work done, that sort of thing. Um, I, with regards to his, his mental 
part of it, psychological part of it. Um, I thought he handled himself extremely well, um, particularly when you consider the amount of hype that surrounded him that he never asked for. He never asked for any of that. And um, so when things don't turn out exactly like um, you would like them to, uh, some young guys can really get shattered by it. Uh, I, I don't, it's my opinion he did not. And he battled through it uh, like a warrior. But he didn't ask for any of that hype. That has nothing to do with Adrian. It has nothing to do with his psychology. It has nothing to do with his ego. Uh, that was thrust upon him, unfortunately. Let me ask you this. this. This You probably haven't had this question before. How was he the weeks he couldn't play? How was he the weeks that he was hurt and wasn't going to play in the game? How was he in the room? How was his interaction with the other guys like Noah? How was he those weeks? He was he was just like um, any of the other guys were with him, you know. Um, always came in the room with a great attitude, uh, had a great attitude at practice, very helpful. Uh was trying to do as much as he possibly can to ensure that we could enjoy some success that particular week. So he, he was, he was fine. Now, obviously there's that, you know, you can always sense that little bit of disappointment in him that, you know, he wasn't able to play, but um, he, he was good. Great. Again, we're talking to Mario Verdusco, Husker quarterbacks coach, our position breakdown here on the Husker Sports Network. Luke McCaffrey, we saw glimpses of him a year ago. We saw his athletic ability. How's that young man been to coach, and what kind of offseason has he had? Luke is hell on wheels. He's doing so well, man. He's, uh, he, he, he's always worked extremely hard and a bright young guy, tremendous attitude. Um just like all the guys in the room, um, there's not a downer amongst them. And Lucas is just a, a bright young cat who has a, a, a tremendous work ethic. Um, and so he's, he's, he's done real well in the offseason. Uh, cleaned some things up with his stroke that we've been working on since he arrived. Uh, that's getting better and better and better. And so... Um, a little bit that we were able to work together those couple of days in spring ball. I was, uh, I was pleased at his development with regards to at least his stroke. He, he, he certainly comes with great football pedigree. I know you and I talked about that a year ago, what a great football family he has. I think we all got a glimpse of him, Coach. I think it was the Indiana game. Noah was the starter. Noah's helmet came off, and – I barely described the fact that Noah's helmet was off, and I looked down there, and there's McCaffrey already getting the guys together to run the next play. He jetted out there like crazy. I think that kind of shows us all how much he loves the game. Tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely loves the game. And um, I, I don't know a quarterback worth his salt that doesn't love the game, you know, particularly because of the goofiness of the position that those cats play. But, um, yeah, he was he was excited uh, for any amount of time that he was able to get in, even when he played receiver. Um, when Coach Frost uh, asked him uh, to do so, because you know we had sustained some uh, guys that weren't able to play uh, either due to injury or one thing or another, and and hell, he was ready to do it and he was prepared to do it. He knew all the routes, he knew all the combinations, he knew all the blocking patterns and so on and so forth that was uh, required of him. 
there are a few things that he wasn't really detailed in, but uh, for the most part, he was he was good to go, as I would expect. And I told Coach Frost, hey, Coach, if you need any of these guys to play receiver, they'll be able to do it for you. So um, he was excited. Well, the newbie in your room is Logan Smothers, young guy who came at semester to get uh, indoctrinated into college football. What impressions has he left you in a brief time so far in Lincoln? Logan Smothers from Muscle Shoals, man. Logan's awesome. I really enjoy him as much as I do all the other guys. And uh, he's extremely athletic, fast, um, had some stroke issues we need to get taken care of. He's been working on those. Um, since when he arrived and um, the couple of days of practice that we were able to have, I was really pleased with his progress in terms of getting that cleaned up. I gave him a couple preliminary playbook tests and he tore those apart. So um, his work ethic is intact with regards to, to, to him doing the things that are necessary to at least uh, – give his teammates a chance to be successful by his play and making certain he does his job. So it's been good so far. I suspect there's not going to be issue, any issues as we move forward. Coach, he's a heck of an athlete, isn't he? I think he was uh, made like the state finals in a couple of the sprints uh, when he was a junior down in the state of Alabama. It seems like he must be a heck of an athlete. He was a 10-7, 10-8 guy Woo. right in that range uh, as a junior so I suspect he would have continued that if he if he would have stayed there and ran track his his senior year but you know he was a mid-year guy and was fired up to come and yeah he's he's a heck of an athlete just he can take a freaking run now I mean he can run he can he can get up and go um he was in a little bit of a I won't say rehab mode but he was recovering a little bit because of the, the, the of the game that he played in and got a little banged up. Um, but uh, he's doing great. Uh, very excited about Logan Smothers. Again, busy with Mario Verduzco, Husker quarterbacks coach, our position breakdown here on Sports Nightly. Um, let, let's go to your second home, Kearney, Nebraska. You, you've you've uh, you've enjoyed your time out, I think. And, Kearney, you've got a couple of walk-ons from out there. Matt Masker's back for another year. And, Braden Miller. Uh, let's start with Matt. What, what, what do you like about Matt Masker? Well, Matthew is, is uh, yeah, he played at Kearney Catholic. And uh, it's just a, you're, both those guys are just your typical tough-ass uh, Nebraska Midwest kind of guys. Uh, both are really fine quarterbacks in their own right. Uh, Matthew's got a really good gun. He's strong. He's tough. He doesn't back down from anything. Um, he's done a tremendous job of keeping himself prepared. Um, as you know, probably the hardest position to play in all the sport is second-team quarterback. You know, it's it, it's a it's a difficult situation in terms of keeping yourself mentally prepared from week to week, knowing you may not even get a chance to play, and so on and so forth. But. Matthew's handled all of that sort of psychological fire tremendously. And um, I don't have enough great things to say about Matthew Master. Just a tremendous young guy and a good quarterback. Well, uh, across the town at, at Carney High School, you found Braden Miller, 6'1 young man. What, what yeah, about Braden? What, what, what skills yeah, does he possess? 
Braden, uh, very similar to Matthew, maybe not quite as heavy, but kind of the same sort of build. Got a good gun, very bright, um, just cut from basically the same cloth. You know, tough-ass Nebraska kids, Midwest guys who just love playing football and just absolutely love uh, being here at Nebraska. And so um, I know I feel very fortunate, as do the other quarterbacks in the room, that they're here. They take a lot of pride in what they do. If that means they're in charge of giving signals for a practice or whatever it might be, they're, they're going to do their, their damnedest to make sure it's as perfect as can possibly be to facilitate our success. So, um, like I said, Braden's basically cut from the same cloth as, as, uh, as Matthew is, and I don't have enough good things to say about either one of them. Very good. Well, Coach, we always appreciate your insight in, into the guys that are in your room. Let, let's hope this uh, we, get, we keep everybody healthy over the next six, seven weeks and we get to play some football in the fall. I know that's what, that's what everybody's keeping their fingers crossed for. That'd be tremendous. And, Greg, it's always uh, great talking with you. Thanks so much for spending some time with me. Appreciate you. There he is, Mario Verduzco, joining us on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Okay, um, obviously, Adrian Martinez, the big focal point. Luke McCaffrey, uh, who teased this all a year ago, Ben, with some of his skills. There's reason to be optimistic about this group, and I think at least I, I'm, I feel confident that Adrian's going to bounce back in a big way this junior year. What would you take from the coach's comments? Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot um, that, that he said there that uh, you know just kind of peeks inside that room a little bit, and I think the dynamic of the quarterback room this year is fascinating. Obviously, we know uh, Noah is no longer a part of it, but – you know, what we saw from Luke, as you mentioned a year ago, th- what he was able to do as a true freshman was pretty amazing. And then you throw in um, another young buck in there and Logan Smothers that, uh, by all accounts, is uh, just a spectacular athlete. I think, you know, Adrian needs to play more with a chip on his shoulder. I think he will. I think, um, you know, and I've, I've said this a lot. I you know, I think we've seen the best versions of Adrian Martinez when his back was against the wall or when, you know, the axe got the toughest. And and I think that's leading me to believe that he is going to have a bounce-back season. I think, you know, having all this uh, offseason to get healthy, I don't know that he ever felt 100% last year. Having that offensive line in front of him, hopefully having some more weapons to throw to, all that stuff should be conducive to better quarterback play. And I'm expecting a big jump uh, for Adrian here in year three. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Austin Orman back in our studios. Okay, quarterbacks. Uh, we, we just heard from Mario Verduzco. So, Ben, let's, let's handicap the Big Ten West at this position. How do you look at this thing? Yeah, I think for me I had to, to think about um, a couple of things, not just statistics. How did they manage their offense? What success did they have as a quarterback? Uh and for one guy in particular, I, I had to knock him down a few pegs because of who he was handing the ball to. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with his numbers as well. But enough rambling, I'll get to it. I've got Minnesota at number one. I thought Tanner Morgan put together a very good year. 
I don't know that he would be number one this year. I'd have to see him throw the ball to a couple of other guys. Uh, but coming into the year, hard to argue with an 11-win season and um, two, you know, all big – 10 wide receivers certainly help but anyway minnesota one i've got nebraska two I, I probably overshot them a little bit but i think for as bad of a year as adrian had statistically he was still toward the top of a lot of categories and i think by our standards he he regressed significantly i think i still think every other team in the big 10 west would take adrian martinez as their starting quarterback so i think that that certainly weighed into my opinion on the huskers and i've got wisconsin three here with jack cohen i know he had a great year but you're handing the ball to jonathan taylor every snap makes your job pretty easy and you've got a great o-line blocking for you so i've got minnesota one nebraska two wisconsin three okay austin yeah, I echo Ben exactly. Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Tanner Morgan's really good school records for passing yards, touchdowns, and completion percentage in a season last year. And Zach Anikstad is a backup he's played. Wasn't particularly impressive, but again, a guy with experience. Number two for Nebraska, number two. I think he's got the highest ceiling of any quarterback in the Big Ten West. You feel good about him you know, kind of bouncing back, being better, and Luke McCaffrey behind him is solid. And Jack Cohen was solid, like Ben said. Handing off to Jonathan Taylor makes any quarterback's life easier. But Graham Mertz there, a four-star recruit, the highest in the rankings era for Wisconsin. I think he's got some potential down the road. Maybe he wins the job, probably not over a senior, but I think Wisconsin's pretty well set as well. Make it three for three. I'm the same way. I go Minnesota one, Nebraska two, Wisconsin three. I think you've got proven players at all those positions. I don't love Cone's game, but for what Wisconsin asked him to do, he's probably just fine in that role. They kind of just tell their quarterbacks, don't hurt us, manage the game, don't fumble on the handoffs, and he does that pretty well. So kind of by default, I keep Wisconsin in that three hole. How about our absentee boys of Josh and Tim? Well, they have the same thing. Well, no, they don't have the same three teams. They have, for Tim, Minnesota at one, Wisconsin at two, and Northwestern at three. Hmm. Josh goes <laughs> Minnesota at one, Nebraska at two, and Northwestern at three. So a couple of appearances for Northwestern. So Tim doesn't have Nebraska in the top three, huh? He does not, no. He's a hater. Ooh. Okay. Ben, how about what? your fourth? I don't understand <laughs> Northwestern. I don't, I don't get that. I've got Peyton Ramsey. Yeah, I'd still. I'd we'll see all right. all i've right. got give, I've, give me your four through seven i've got illinois here at four i got i'm going brandon peters at four and then i've got northwestern at five bringing in peyton ramsey i've got purdue at six and iowa at seven just don't not don't don't know anything about what i was bringing at that spot so i go illinois northwestern purdue iowa okay awesome you're four through seven I'm similar to Ben, but a little higher on Peyton Ramsey. I think he's better than Brandon Peters. That Northwestern quarterback room was absolutely wretched last year. I think Peyton Ramsey makes it a respectable room by himself if he can stay healthy. Obviously, there are flaws. There's a reason he lost out to Michael Penix at Indiana, but I think he's better than Brandon Peters. So I've got Northwestern four, Illinois and Peters at five. Purdue at six, a wide-open competition for them, especially with Sindelar passing up that rare sixth year jack Plummer and aiden o'connell have both played how good are they we'll see austin burton transferring in from ucla as well and then iowa not much going on there at quarterback losing nate stanley is a big blow for them spencer petrus hasn't really done a whole lot hasn't seen many snaps at all not a whole lot in the quarterback room over in iowa city okay i'm kind of similar to both of you a little different order i'd go illinois four uh, again, another game manager in Peters. Um, he's kind of a statue back there. He takes a lot of hits. 
and gets beat up quite a bit. He's going to have to hang in there and be tough all year long for them. Northwestern, Peyton Ramsey, a definite upgrade from what they have, and there's some weapons around him. That Northwestern offense of the new OC I think will be dramatically improved this year. Can't be any worse. It was bad a year ago. I, I think I'm hearing a lot of good things about Spencer Petras at, at Iowa. A lot of people think he's going to be very, very good for them. So I've got them in the sixth spot. And in Purdue, I just didn't see much. I know they have a transfer from UCLA coming in, but I don't know anything about him. Total question mark in my eyes. Uh, so I go Purdue in, in the cellar for me. How about uh, Josh and Tim's picks? So Tim's got to have Nebraska somewhere here, I would think. He does. We'll get to that. Josh lines up with you guys, <laughs> Illinois in the four spot. He drops the Badgers all the way down to number five. Mm. So Illinois four, Wisconsin five, and then he's with Ben Purdue in the sixth spot and Iowa in the seventh spot. Tim agrees, Purdue and Iowa at six and seven. He has Nebraska fourth and Illinois fifth. Wow. Um, so everybody but me had Iowa last, right? It's true. Yeah. yeah. Man, um, and Josh has downgraded the Badgers a couple different positions. It's going to be interesting to see where he has them at the end of this when we add these all up and our unscientific uh, finish to this thing. So there you go. I'd love to ask Tim if he would really have three uh, those three guys over Adrian as their quarterback. He's not here to to defend himself, but we'll get back to him on that. That's he's yeah. He's Tim. not going to live this one down. Tim, wow. <laughs> just gosh. Uh, I mean, you may, you said you felt like you homered a little bit, put Nebraska too. I didn't think so at all. I think it's in some ways Adrian's ceiling, ceiling is higher than anybody in the division. If you're talking ceiling, it's his ceiling is by far the highest. But yes. I don't know on what planet you would want Peyton Ramsey over Adrian Martinez as your starter. Yeah. I don't know. We, we've debated where Tim's been from before, right? That's true. Yeah. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, what do you know? We have a Big Ten football schedule. How about that coming out yesterday morning? That was nice. Um, you know, I get a call from a, a Big Ten PR representative on what would that be Monday night, Tuesday night. And it says, you want to talk to the commissioner uh, in advance of the schedule being released. You have to embargo the story till 745 a.m. I say, I'm up for that. <laughs> so uh, talk to Kevin Warren about it that night and give the Big Ten credit. I mean, as they keep calling it, the buzzword is collapsible. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the season is not collapsible, but the schedule is certainly collapsible because they can move stuff around. So when we see uh, Nebraska Rutgers, for example, that I think has pretty much no chance of happening because Rutgers is still in quarantine, that obviously can move to much later in the season. And uh, even Michigan, Ohio State can move to a couple weeks later because both teams have uh, an off week. So. They've worked the schedule in a certain way that I think gives them uh, gives them a chance to play some football. Uh, you know that that caused a, some waves, I guess, moving that Michigan Ohio State game. But the 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 logic is is solid, right? You don't want to put it at the end of the year, and if yeah. you're not playing, you don't get that game in. I, I I think the logic is there. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, it's if they can just get it done anytime. You know, I, sure, I'm sure some fans will complain if it was going to be in mid September or if it was going to be this or going to be that. I don't think you can get that finicky. You know, certainly they felt like 
those week one games are not exactly marquee matchups. I mean, there's not much going on there. There's Purdue, Michigan, uh, but really you don't have a lot of decent games. It looks like they set up week one in a way where they're saying, hey, if we can't get any of these games in week one, we start with week two, and then we've got some pretty juicy divisional games at that point. Um, yeah, Michigan-Ohio State, uh, absolutely. If they can play on October 24th, great. If they can play it October 31st, great. Especially after what we've heard today. We need that game to be played. <laughs> Let's go there next. Apparently the, the coaches had a conference call and a little snippy between Harbaugh and Day. I'm sure you were shocked hearing that, right? Oh, yeah, Greg, I wanted to give you an easy segue. Of course you took it, man. I put it on a tee for you and, you, and you knocked it out. You know, Jim Harbaugh is such a whiner. I, I mean, it's funny because, you know, he, he has an attitude of, you know, toughness and American values and football and all these kind of tough guy things. And then, God, he really whines a lot. Like, I'll never forget, you know, the, the famous Ohio State-Michigan game with JT Barrett and, um, you know, Jim just ranting and raving and how – God, they got screwed by the officials. And it's like, you know what? There are a lot of plays in that game, and that one was incredibly close. But to get everybody up to speed on today, what you're talking about, apparently there was a conference call with the coaches. And Jim Harbaugh says to Ryan Day, hey, quit coaching your players on the field. Obviously because official practices have not begun. That is tomorrow at most places, although Mm -hmm. it's Thursday today for Illinois and Ohio State since they start the season earlier on Labor Day weekend. So I think Ryan Day said something back like, you know, you coach your team, I'll coach mine. And, Greg, you might know this better than that. I believe he uh, – somebody caught a snippet of, of him saying he's going to hang 100 on Michigan this year. I mean, he's come close the last two years. Yeah, and I can't believe he did it last year. Michigan defense should have been able to play much better than they were, but it's just been a discrepancy in those two. And then a little spice of that game whenever it takes place later in the year. Well, you talked about putting a tee in the ground. we got the PGA, the first major of the yeah. year going along. I think it's awesome that they're playing at a public course out in San Francisco, don't you? Yeah. Oh, I do. And if you live out in San Francisco, I think you can play there for 60 or 70 bucks. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, good course. Uh, visually, pretty sweet. It lasts four or five holes. Lake Merced, I believe. I've not been out there. Love San Fran, but have not uh, been out there to Harding Park. Certainly want to do it one day. And um, how about this? I mean, how about this stretch where we could get like, I think it's seven majors in 11 months. Golf's done an amazing job. And I got to say, when you see the players who are going from their cars into the clubhouse, and they're wearing masks. I saw Bryson DeChambeau wearing one. I saw Phil Phil Mickelson wearing one. You know, the tour had a scare maybe two to three weeks in where there were maybe four or five positive tests, including some caddies, and there was definitely concern at that point. They got their little wake-up call. Now, baseball has gotten its wake-up call as well. So between the Marlins and the Cardinals, hopefully all these teams now are saying, cut it out. Don't go out at night. Wear a mask, wash your hands, because it just takes a few guys to screw up to really have the whole thing fold. No doubt. And Phil was wearing that mask with his sunglasses on that have kind of become his yes. trademark now, I guess. there You look yeah. at that leaderboard, and there, there's Brooks Kepka right near the top again. This guy's amazing in these exactly. majors. Can he do this again, do you think? How do I not pick him? You know, like, how do we not put money on him every yeah. single time there's a major, especially a PGA championship? I was just shaking my head as I was seeing him today because I was, you know, I, um, I got some, you know, a little action going with uh, uh, Patrick Cantlay, who's doing terribly, and Matthew Fitzpatrick, <laughs> who's been awful. Uh, Tony Finau, uh, pretty good, I think, two under. But, like, Brooks is just unbelievable. I, I mean, you know, he doesn't even – 
the other events don't matter. He just absolutely kills it in these majors. He's so prepared. He's so strong. Every part of his game clicks when uh, you know when, when the cameras come on for these big events. It's it's awesome. But Jason Day, five under, bunch of guys had good rounds today. Yeah, you know, going to Kepka, you've covered so many of these majors. A lot of it is mental, right? I mean, a lot of it is can oh, you yeah. handle the pressure, and it doesn't seem to bother the guy. That is exactly right. I mean, for most guys, you know, they probably tighten up. They're, they're squeezing a little harder, um, especially when it comes to Sunday. They want it so bad. They know what it's going to mean for their career. Maybe he didn't feel pressure because he knows he has so much game, and he felt like even if I don't get it this time, I'll get it next time. Um, but it's gotten the best, you know, I mean, Dustin Johnson could have so many more majors by now. Uh, I mean, Phil Mickelson in the U S opens, you can look at him. Yeah. You can look at almost every guy has, you know, has choked or struggled at, at some point or another in the big events. And Brooks has never done that when he's had a chance to win. Basically he has won. I think Beth page was the one where he maybe could have, but he just plays unbelievably in these events. Yeah, and even Pebble last year at the Open, I think he finished second to Woodland. He was right there in the hunt uh, right. on the final day, right out in that Bay Area. Well, baseball, you mentioned baseball. It's it's under the Cubs. The Cubs are having a little nice run yeah. to start this thing. They're going to get people fired up. Yeah, you asked me to start the season who's going to have a better record than the Cubs and the White Sox, and I thought absolutely the White Sox, and they've been fine. They've yeah. been over 500, certainly. But the Cubs have been amazing, even though Craig Kimbrell, their closer, is, you know, a, a head case, and they've uh, – Close to writing him off, I think. Uh, getting good offense, getting good starting pitching, like Alec Mills. I mean, all these guys who you really didn't didn't think you could count on. And then the X factor, you never know when you switch managers. I mean, obviously Joe Madden was great for the Cubs at the time. And you can't say for sure that if he were still here, they wouldn't have this record. But David Ross, I think, has been great. He runs a tighter ship. There's a lot of enthusiasm on the team. It's very much like a top-step team that they – get very into it probably because there's no crowd so they have to manufacture all the excitement cubs are playing great and uh you know you see teams like that and they just hope other teams will take care of themselves and be healthy because nobody would want to you know have a great season like this and have it basically not not count have the cardinals keep going to casinos and they'll be they'll be just fine in that division let me, let me circle back, Teddy, to, to the Big Ten's decision to try to start on Labor Day weekend. They're the only yeah. big Power Five conference doing that. I mean, that's, it seems logical what the Big Ten did compared to some of these other ones which have no margin for error if they don't start till the end of September. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if, you, if you're actually able to start around September 5th, which is that Saturday, or even September 12th, then you can add in a bunch of off weeks. I mean, obviously the Big Ten is playing 10 games uh, all conference games, of course, as we all know. And, yeah, if you could get started uh, and you're flexible with your championship game, they could move that to December 12th or December 19th. You could have a bunch of off weeks. I mean, that also makes your TV partners incredibly oh, happy. If you can give happy. them football on those weekends in September, then they're going to love you. Obviously, you don't have to play all your games every weekend. If you can play three games every weekend, that's that's pretty good. Absolutely. All right. What, uh, what's on your plate for the next several days? Man, I am going to relax. I'm going to watch a ton of golf. This was, uh, <laughs> this was a really good, busy week. There was a lot of news breaking, not only with the Big Ten schedule, but with the Unity Group, with the Players' Tribune story. Um, you know, I spoke to Kevin Warren about that as well. I think these guys realize they have an advocate 
Um, it's interesting that the Pac-12 guys threatened to boycott and asked for revenue sharing, and the Big Ten players did not. They're more about health and safety. I thought that was very admirable. So we got that going, and um, you know, let's see what uh, the first day's practice brings. Northwestern was off again today. Confident they can start tomorrow after taking basically a week-long pause. And um, I think Michigan State has started up again as well. So it might be only Rutgers now that, uh, that is in the hole. So we'll see what happens. The crown jewel of the Big Ten Conference. <laughs> Teddy, oh. great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Be well. It's the Sports Nightly Preseason Top 25 tonight. First out and 10. Burrow in the pocket, has all day, launches deep down the field, has Chase caught at the 32, down the middle of the field. He'll take it to the house. Touchdown, Tigers! 79-yard touchdown pass, Jamar Chase. Number 12, the LSU Tigers. And here to talk about the Bayou Tigers, Gordy Rush from the Tiger Network, and what a magical season last year was. You had to really enjoy being a part of that 15-0 and one of the more dominant seasons in all of college football history. That had to be a blast. Uh, it was a blast. Once in a lifetime where, where you get something where all the pieces fit together and, and then a generational quarterback in Joe Burrow. I, I mean, what a, what a blessing for LSU to get him in the transfer portal. A lot of people didn't realize in 2018 he wasn't healthy. He had his shoulder banged up. He had that uh, operated on in the offseason, came back healthy, had a playbook underneath, you know, finally a year to digest the playbook. And, of course, they brought Joe Brady from the New Orleans Saints with Sean Payton's uh, playbook there, and it, it just all hit together. It was an incredible year. Well, let's start at quarterback. Who, who's the heir apparent? Well, it's Miles Brennan. And, and so Miles Brennan – is a kid that played over in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, at a private school, St. Stanislaus, that was in a very similar system to to what LSU currently runs. And and so Brennan now is a third year. He's a junior. He's in his fourth year actually at LSU, and very strong arm quarterback. Maybe not the athlete or had the athletic skills per se that the Burrow had. But understands the offense, high football IQ, big arm. And that's what you need to know about Miles Brennan. And he's been patient through this process and very easily could have hit the transfer portal with the arrival of Burrow from Ohio State. But the family decided to, to wait it out. Uh, his dad is uh, part of the Brennan's legacy, the famous New Orleans restaurants. And so they were committed to, to the university. And now he gets his chance to shine. Certainly gets a, a good core of receivers to throw to. Jamar Chase is terrific. What about the other weapons on that offense to surround him with? Well, Terrence Marshall, who's on the other side, who, who's been hurt in, you know, in and out of uh, throughout a season, and his freshman year showed up with uh, coming off of a, a knee surgery. Uh, you know, Terrence Marshall was the best receiver in the United States the year Jamar Chase came out. Uh, and he was a third receiver on this team after Jefferson and Chase. So I, I think this is his opportunity to shine. And then LSU has recruited so well. They've got three or four guys that played spot play a year ago. Racy McMath is an oversized receiver that's going to work out of the slot that they used in the H-back position. I, I think he's poised for a breakout season. And then they have a speedster that, that's a 4 low four three guy, Trey Palmer, that showed some flashes in, in some of the non-conference game. They love him as a mismatch-wise, uh, mismatch guy. 
you take those two and then five-star tight end Eric Gilbert from the Atlanta area, six, seven um, people have been raving about him since he arrived on LSU's campus. We're visiting again with Gordy Rush from the LSU Network. We have LSU at number 12 in our preseason top 25. Husker fans are screaming at me, Gordy, because I haven't got the defense and Bo Pelini. Now back at LSU, how did how did that hire play down in Baton Rouge? Well, it was really popular. Bo was very, very popular down here. you know. And I, I realized his bedside manner in Lincoln was kind of interesting, to say the least. But Bo was loved from his time here with Les Miles. And I, I think from, from a an X's and O's standpoint, he's going to simplify things from what Dave Aranda did. They'll eventually get to more 4-3 from 3-4, and he's going to let people play. I mean, it's LSU. You're going to have you're going to have racehorses, and so Bo knows what to do with them. I thought it was a good hire because he and Ed had a relationship, um, and it's more of what Ed has done throughout his career at USC, so I think that that's a good fit. And Bo is still really what was and obviously is still really well thought of down here in Baton Rouge. What you mentioned, there's going to be some racehorses for him to use. Give me a couple of names of, of guys that stand out to you as you look at that side of the ball. Derek Stingley may be the best yeah. defensive player in the country, at the, you know, as a, coming as a true sophomore corner. Um, if the NFL draft went, said it, you know, last year, he might have been a top five pick as a freshman. He's that good. He's as polished uh, technique-wise as I've ever seen and just as athletic as Patrick Peterson in his time here. Uh, Jacoby Stevens is a hybrid safety, uh, H-back, whatever you want to call call him. Um, he'll step in in the type of position, and, and they'll move him all over the football field. I was surprised uh, that he came back. Tyler Shelvin is going to go from nose tackle to three-tech as a defensive lineman. And, and really in the back half of the year, he had a, a breakout season. So, I mean, to, to start, those are the three guys, in, in my mind, that are, are our first-round draft picks next year. You know, the, of course, we, 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 what does next year mean in the time that we're in? Uh, but he's got horses, and, and obviously he lost a lot of people, but he's got a lot of talent and a lot of people that played roles however, may not have started. And so I think the returning starters number is a little bit deceptive for Bo Pelini. Again, visiting with Gordy Rush of the LSU Network. We have the Tigers at number 12 in our preseason top 25. Okay, the SEC has announced they're going to push the start back a couple of weeks. Does that push camp back a few weeks for LSU? Give us kind of what's happening right now, what's going to be happening in the coming weeks for the program. Yeah, they did. You know, they did their walkthroughs and, and, and uh, kind of what they call it football school. I, I want to say August 17th is where they pushed it back. But LSU has announced the delayed start with the September 26th season. So we're expecting the schedule to, to come out at some point today. Um, and, and so we'll play from, you know, we'll go from that. But I think Ed's done a great job with, with uh, you know, taking care of the, the, the kids here. They got them back early. And I agree with what Ed said. I feel like LSU can do a better job of keeping these kids healthy uh, than perhaps if they were just on, right, all over the country and interacting with family members and, and what have you. So I got a chance to go watch one of the walkthrough practices. I, I, I think they're a real spot. You know, you guys have the number 12 spare. You know, the X factor in all the preseason polls is this. No, you know, the, everybody else's schedule's out except the SEC. Yeah. Who's, who's LSU going to draw on the two additional East? 
trip to yeah. Athens, right? <laughs> and and what does that look like? LSU's got Florida and South Carolina. Florida is their permanent. South Carolina is the rotational. Uh, so I think that's going to be really interesting to see who gets what. Yeah, we put this together back in late June. A lot of things have changed since we put this thing together uh, four, or five, four or five months ago. All right, uh, major uprising with some players out on the Pac-12. The Big Ten yesterday had a group of players. Any any inkling of that coming from SEC players kind of offering up some demands about health standards or any of those type of things? Jamar Chase, who we hadn't talked about, who you know won the Bolitnikoff last year and, and – uh, outstanding receiver for LSU said he's all in. I mean, it's a, you know I know I know the Husker country they love their football up there, right? And it's it's religion down here in the SEC. And you know I think the reaction has been well, you know, it's kind of surprising down here from the Pac-12 folks. You know it's like you you don't want to play, don't play. We playing. I mean we're playing. I mean we had the associate athletic director come on the radio and and our radio station and said, this is LSU's athletic director, and said basically they're going to put 50% capacity in the stadium in Phase 2 and 70% capacity in Phase 3. This is in light that Penn State just came out today and said we're putting nobody in the stands, period. And LSU is in Phase 3 very well might have, they're saying, 77,000 fans in Tiger Stadium. Different mindset down here, guys. We've heard nothing like that. Good stuff. Gordy, we appreciate it. Let's hope we're all talking and covering some football here in the coming months. God bless. Stay safe up there. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer he can with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And Action! That's good. I like Great it. Great it. What do you think? Out of yeah, 10, like what are we giving it? Uh, eight. Austin, what do you grade that at? I, I'm in the – I'm in the I'll, I'll be a little harsher. 6.75 to 7.25 range. Oh, so a, tough grader there. I'm at like a 6.4. I really like the the camera click at the beginning. I, I wish that, that, was, that was still in there. Um, yeah, overall, that one, that the projector sound. Yeah, yeah, I like that, but – you know, overall, I, it's it's passable. It's solid. The no crying in baseball was good. Yeah. Um, if he'd have put put something out of Moneyball, that might have yeah. spruced it up. American classic. No Dwight Schrute in that one, like the first one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that that was that, a, that, 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 that was a good quote that I pulled off the top of the dome. I mean, we were trying to put that together. I'm like, hey, I'm like, okay, I got it. I could even tell you which episode it is to go find that. <laughs> I'm sure you could. All right, Ben, lead us off. Yeah, uh, this is one that's been on the back burner uh, for a long time, and uh, thanks to the, the paternity, uh, I was able to, to start cranking on it with my wife and, and finally got to it. It's been around for a long time, but we're just making our rounds to Designated Survivor. Here's a quick clip. Hello? Hi, Daddy. Who is this? Your daughter? No, that's not possible. My daughter's asleep, and I know that because I kissed her goodnight almost two hours ago. When are you and Mommy coming home? There are times when we make history. It doesn't matter. You're going to be asleep by then, right? And there are times when history makes us. Good night, Daddy. Good night, little P. <laughs> to ensure you that the same American dream shared by our fathers, our mothers. It's weird. Yeah. Ours just went black, too. Secretary 
phone down. Mike, what the hell is going on? I said put the phone yeah. down. This is this some, some kind of explosion? Please change your radio. Mike, please, just tell us what you know. Capital's been attacked. Congress. Captain. Eagle is gone. Sir, you are now the president of the United States. Remember watching that trailer way back when, when that show was just coming out? I'm like, ooh, I think, I think I might like that. I might check that out. Haven't been able to get around to it. Kiefer Sutherland thrust into the role of president of the United States. The show itself is, is pretty good. I don't know how much of it is believable with all the amount of crises that are constantly happening every episode. But it's enough to hold my attention. It's still weird seeing Kiefer Sutherland not as Jack Bauer in a government-related role. So I'm expecting him to whip out pistols and slide down zip lines and take out the bad guys himself. And just don't know that it fits him quite yet. Maybe the best start to a series. I mean, that for and I've watched him. The, that first episode when that thing goes off and all, and he was about to get fired. I think. How far into it are you now? Uh, like I think we're like. Seven or eight episodes. Well, I, I think they were going to move him out of his mm-hmm. role. He was like Secretary of the Interior or something like that. But this was one of his last duties. And, you know, you always put one member of the cabinet somewhere offside during the State of the Union address because everybody else is in the Capitol. It's a good series. Um, they ABC dropped it after, I think, three seasons. Netflix picked up season four. I've only watched a couple of episodes of that. Uh, but it's it's not bad. It really isn't bad. No, not at all. You'll like it. All right, Austin, you're up. All right, so last weekend, uh, my fiance and I watched a movie, Knives Out, directed by Ryan oh. Johnson, uh, big name. It came out uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas time of 2019. Kind of a whodunit thriller type of movie. Real great cast, Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Frank Oz. It absolutely delivers, and here's the, here's the trailer. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot. This is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family had gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. I suspect foul play. I have eliminated no suspects. And that's the theme of the movie, eliminated Mm. no suspects. There are so many twists, so many turns. My fiance tried to explain it to me as she watched it a little bit without giving too much away, so it'd still be fresh when I watched it, but I, I guess four or five different times who did it in the movie. The final reveal is great. Daniel Craig's weird Western Texas accent is less great. It, <laughs> that's, not, that's not Daniel Craig. It's not classy James Bond, but he was great in the role. Chris Evans was great. Uh, yeah, fantastic movie. Highly recommend it. Yeah, How did you uh, watch it? Where'd you watch it on? Did you rent on it? Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Video. Yeah. I'm jealous because I've been wanting to see that movie for six months and haven't gotten around to it. But and everybody has said it's fa- you couldn't oh, put great. together a better cast. My no. gosh, that is a lot of A-listers on that thing. Mine for the week is a similar type of movie, 
but not nearly on the scale of what Austin, who's just pounded me in the ground with this. Because I've got Murder Mystery, which is a takeoff of that, but a comedy version with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Here's a trailer. Charles is inviting us to spend the weekend with him on a yacht. Crushing the party with civilians. You're an actress, right? Grace Ballard. Oh, I am Nick Spitz. This is my wife, Allison. I can't Audrey, believe it. Audrey. I'm Audrey. I said Audrey. Did you have a fool around on a boat? I just lay here and the boat does all the work. This has been a mud Should we pull it up? No, it's a foot long now. Will you listen to my husband? He's a detective. I'll put it back. Don't put it back. My name is Inspector Laurent Delacroix. I will now summon you for questioning. Why is that smoke ring so good? How did he do that? Did you notice anything out of the ordinary? They are Americans. But we didn't do this. Someone's trying to frame us. We do things together, so can we please just figure this out? It's just like death in the library. What happens in death in the library? They died. So it's it's the same kind of premise is Austin's movie where the, the, the Aniston and Sandler are married. They get invited to go on this luxurious cruise. They're kind of hanging out on this cruise and some big fancy guy gets killed because a bunch of people want his money and then they get called into suspects. They have to kind of fight their way out of it. it it's a perfect movie if you don't want to have to think a whole lot and you just kind of want to chuckle along a little bit. Th- this would be for you. It's not a critic's movie at all. Tim would hate it because it's not some, you know, haughty toddy thing that Tim would like. Cryptic script. and Right. It's easy listening music for the eyes. It, that's exactly right. Where you chuckle along a few times. If you like Adam Sandler movies, this, this is it. it, it it's, it's not a, an A-plus movie by any means like Knives Out, which I do want to see. But uh, there you go. Tim, it's Tim on, is not it's about that. Tim's not about that at all. I mean, he, he would rip that apart uh, yeah. rather, rather, rather quickly, I, w- I would think. Uh, but, I mean, Sandler, Sandler's peaked about yes. 15 years ago. But he still pu- pu- puts out stuff that's at least watchable, I would say. He he and Jennifer Aniston apparently are really good friends in real life. And so they don't pull off being a real romantic couple. And that's actually fine because the way the script is, they're kind of a marriage. It's kind of going through the motions a little bit. And she's always kind of mad at him and promising things. And he comes up a little bit short in life. But he plays that role pretty well. So there you go. Those are our pick flicks for the week. I kind of miss somebody coming on here and talking about a French foreign film or something like that <laughs> that we've had here in the last few weeks. Well, maybe next week. <laughs> All right, those are our pick flicks for the week, and I still haven't gotten into Last Chance You yet. Have you seen? A lot of people are liking this one. Yeah, I, that will probably be on my next week's, so I can get a better review. I'm not through it yet, so okay. Yes, I am. It is in progress. And, and I started Space Force this week. You you said no to that. Nope, one. I'm out. I've only Can't seen two. Ep- I've only seen two episodes. I think there's only eight, but I've only seen the first two. So I, and I think I think Josh reviewed that few months ago so i can't review that one he got through it i think he He did yeah he did (laughs) austin wins this week that's a great movie knives out i've got to see that that is on my bucket list to see that and i have seen designated survivor you'll enjoy that ben my wife and i watched that quite a bit for the last few months good hour wow what an action-packed hour teddy greenstein we revealed team number 12 in our preseason top 25 number 12 is lsu the baton Rouge tiger the bayou tigers who are the defending national champs on our flicks picks for the week